Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the payoff. You got lust for Elizabeth right there, brother. This is Tom Healy, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Ryan. Jeff, you just got the first of probably many Macho Man impersonations today. Step into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. You just got to. That wasn't go. bad either. That was bad. I started slow, but that's all right. We, we, all right we've, well, been, we've been working today. It's all right. And so we'll work okay. on it. There, there might be. There, yeah, we, we might lose everyone by the end of the episode, but we're going to get our we're going to get our macho man impressions in. We'll blame that if our subscribers drop off. But um, yeah, glad to be here. You know, uh, you know, what are we now post WrestleMania at this point or, you know, uh, we, we could still be on the road. That's OK. We're, there's another WrestleMania that eventually we will get to go to and so that's okay and so that's always exciting um so we got that going for us but yeah this is exciting one just another macho match uh uh you know covering a couple of his recently here Uh, and then of course everyone knows that you're uh one of the biggest hulk hogan fans there is out there so this is uh this is exciting one to cover dude i'm a a major mega powers mark i uh i often wear my mega powers t-shirts to wrestling events well, and everyone knows you have your open invitation to Marty Jannetty, but uh, Hulk, if it gets back to you, Tom is willing to, uh, once this all lifts, fly and meet you wherever he needs to meet you in order to do an interview. So, um, yeah, and so as your restaurant, whatever, he'll even buy you the dinner. So. I, I've, I've got my wish list of guests. It's Hulk Hogan and then like four people that you probably would just scratch your head at, but I think they would be awesome guests. That would be good. Yeah. So, but Hogan, you know, it's out there. We're the open invite. So um, as always, of course, you know, we, you know, you know, the drill here, subscribe to the show, give us the five stars, spread the word about the show, leave those reviews. Uh, you know, we always appreciate that stuff. It's good stuff. Um, you know, let us know what you're thinking about the show, uh, you know, sharing on social media. We always, of course, of course, appreciate that stuff at payoff pod. Uh, we're always going to throw, you know, a couple of likes here and there. Tom and I are always checking it. We'll respond. Um, as we said previously, uh, uh, you know, drop us a few lines here. We like uh, sharing some koozies with you guys too. So you never know, we might shoot you a message and share some koozies with you too. And so share a bunch of them so you can give them to your friends, family, all that good stuff and kind of show off your payoff swag. So we like that. So uh, Tom, what else you got? Yeah. Uh, as a reminder, we do the build, we do the payoff and we do the aftermath. We are the first wrestling podcast in the world on a weekly basis, doing a deep dive into the most famous and the most infamous matches in the history of professional wrestling. And before you know it, Jeff, we're going to be coming up on one year of doing the payoff and we've covered some awesome matches. Make sure to go back in the archive, thumb through those matches, find the matches and the guests that you think will be the most interesting and download them and and take a listen. There's some really good stuff in there and man, we've got some really fun stuff on tap over the next year. So uh, thanks for being along with us on this ride here on the payoff. But with that being said, it's time to get into why we wanted to do this match. And Jeff, 
this is just a no brainer for me. You know, in some yeah. ways they're my two favorite of all time. You know, I, I love Shawn Michaels. I love the macho man. I love Hulk Hogan. There's a couple other guys that I'd, I'd put in that category going back and, and watching some of this macho man stuff, man, as crazy as it sounds, I, I just think the guy was underrated uh, on, you know, the thing is about macho man is he was a hell of a worker. I mean, and I, you've heard me say this before, but he had the best WrestleMania match at three, four, five, seven, eight. Okay. That's, that's pretty crazy if you think about it. Okay. And mm -hmm. if they would have let him work with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10, he would have had the best match at that one too. But anyways, um, Savage could work, man. Could he talk? Yeah, I think his promos, um, I know that we mess around with his voice and how crazy his promos were, but they were excellent. Like, Warriors promos were just crazy. Savages were intense and really good. Um, and, and this program, more than any others, hammer at home. And so we've talked about how he's a great worker. We've talked about how he's a great promo. The other thing that, that makes him so special, he was an incredible babyface but he was an incredible heel. And I believe, Jeff, that this was maybe the best build to a wrestling match in the history of professional wrestling. Boy, that's a, that's a take right there. That's impressive. That is uh, something else. So why did you want to cover this one? Yeah, this is one I wish in, in hindsight you and I had known to uh, keep our wrestling buddies in better shape, especially these two, um, because God only knows <laughs> what they'd be worth nowadays. Um, hell, you know, even when we were looking at uh, you know some of the shows that you and I've been to, and they've just they're selling them there, like, but they are they they fetch a pretty penny, like they are they are worth it, especially in good condition. And so uh, that's one of those, you know, you kind of had those, and 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 you know, this is just like it says, like the mega powers, and we'll get into it a little bit, but. I think, especially when you and I both were younger, um, this was in that era where I think these two were, they were the two top stars anywhere that we would have access to. You had Flair, you had, you know, some of these other guys that were, you know, out there doing these things. But I think this match and these two at this time, they were the best that there was. And it's, it's hard to overlook that and give the credit where credit's due. So um, I'm excited. Let's get right into this, Tom. I'll, you want to throw it over to the build? You ready? Yeah, let's get into the build. Oh, it's time for the build. All right, here we are. April 2nd, 1989. We are back in Atlantic City. Now, they said it's from Trump Plaza, but in reality, it actually took place at the Atlantic City Convention Hall. I believe it connected the Trump Plaza or there was a walkway or a parking garage or something. Um, they were in Twitter, the general... Twitter let us know. Yep. Yeah, they were in the general proximity, but it actually wasn't inside there. Because I remember thinking, man, that's a huge venue to be inside a casino. But in reality, it's actually the convention center. When you go back and you watch this, Jeff, like it's crazy because... Um, there was like 20,000 almost people in there. The, the attendance was 18,946. And you're thinking, how big of a convention center is this? Um, 
I'd, I'd love to see some other pictures of this. We'll have to look them up. Maybe we'll post them on Twitter this week. But they, they must have had a ring around it or something. Like, it was built to host people. I'm sure they brought in a lot of bleachers and stuff. But a really awkward building that came across way smaller on TV. Like, I, I just – if you would have told me, bef- like, before I actually was paying attention to it, how many did this those uh, WrestleMania 4 and 5 hold? I would have said there were, like, 5,000 or 10,000 in the building. I thought it was a much smaller building. But so this is interesting. Quick search. It says yeah. the venue seats 10,500 for ice hockey. A maximum capacity can accommodate 14,770 for concerts. So, and so, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, so. I guess it could, it could have, it could have held 18,000 or it could be bullshit, but. Well, that's WWE numbers there. And so who yeah. knows, you know, it could have been 25,000 too. We'll never know. So, yeah. So the, the tagline is the mega powers explode, um, had that awesome visual of, uh, of, of Hogan and Savage, um, with the, the explosion in the background. I mean, this was a great cover as was, um, the, uh, you know, WrestleMania six one with, with Hogan and warrior. Dude, this this show, man. Some of these early WrestleManias, uh, this was just not the best wrestling um, that was taking place, man. Just mm-hmm. brutal, and we we don't have to go through this match by match, but there's just a lot of four, five, six, eight, ten minute matches in here, um, you know, and and. They really didn't have hot openers at the time. They really just kind of built up towards, you know, as the show went on. A couple noteworthy things on this show. We've got the Rockers, okay? Um, They would lose to Twin Towers, but we got our first Rockers WrestleMania sighting, which is pretty cool. Surprisingly good kind of big man, little man uh, tag match. Um, Interestingly enough, Ted DiBiase, man, this is a year after losing to Savage in the main event of WrestleMania four. He's in a double count out against Brutus Beefcake. So far from the top of the card, uh, going through this man, Mr. Perfect defeating the blue blazer, who we would obviously go on to know as Owen Hart. That's pretty cool. Um, Demolition winning, uh, against the powers of pain. Um, Tag team championship match. Uh, those, those were some fun tag teams back in the day, man. That was the the barbarian and the warlord for you. Those of yeah. you at home, and yes, they were two different people. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Mister Fuji, can't forget that. With Mister Fuji, yeah. Brain busters Arn Anderson on this show um, with with Bobby Heenan defeating Strike Force, who I, I always enjoyed that team. Rick Martel and Tito Santana. Now this is an interesting one. Jake Roberts defeating. Andre the Giant, who was with Bobby Heen. And man, just tough to watch. They still had Andre going out for these matches. I mean, this is, you know, really struggling to move around. They still had him out there in the mid card. I just think Andre was like, look, if I, I just want to wrestle as long as I physically can, because I know he enjoyed being around the boys and, and traveling and uh, just wanted to be a part of it. Uh, another one that I noticed on this show, this was Rick Rude defeating uh, the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Championship. That's where it's a really great finish. Uh, Bobby Heenan holds the Warrior's legs down. I just it was such a dastardly heel thing to do. I just remember mm. watching that and like, ah, I can't believe he did that. Really, really good finish. A couple blow-off matches. And then the main event, the reason we're here, Hogan Savage. So, man... Pretty much a one uh, match show. Again, some of these early WrestleManias did not have a whole heck of a lot on them. Uh, Jeff, again, I said it. 
This is one of the greatest builds in the history of professional wrestling. Walk everyone through how we got there. And I'm sure I'm going to have some, some notes and things to add to this. That's fine. So, so WrestleMania five, it took place. It was April 2nd, 1989. So again, we're going to hit the, the rewind button on this. And we actually had, um, the, them first crossing pass. It was Saturday night, main event 12. This was September of 1987. So really 18 months before this match is when the first kind of groundwork was being laid for this one. So we're, you know, in this September, 1987 and need to get to April, 1989. And so what you got is uh, macho man had a shot. It was against a honky tonk man for the intercontinental championship. Um, but Savage was attacked by the heart foundation. Hogan came out. He kind of saved um, Savage. And this is where, at the top till now, Savage has been a heel, but now obviously makes the face turn. So you've got the two of them, uh, you know, working together, starting to work together a little bit here. So we're talking WrestleMania five today, but we have to go back to WrestleMania four too. Again, just these are super long builds. You've got Randy Savage beating the million dollar man. It was a, a tournament final. So that who would win the vacant at, at the time, vacant world heavyweight championship. Um, and he actually won it. It was actually with the help of Hogan. And then Hogan came out after they were congratulating each other in the ring. And soon after, this is where you have the mega powers. Um, you know, why the mega powers it should be obvious. Like they are literally the two biggest superstars at the time. And so Dude, and when they good. first shook hands and formed, oh my, it was just, that was a yeah, cl classic moment. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very so, well done. So they had really just a lot of, feuds that you know at this point going on a lot so now we've kind of fast forwarded we're still a year out don't forget and so um they really dominated they were face tag and so they would go against the heels they were kind of you know dominating everyone and so but it was actually at this point they really that whole year of 1988 where they were you know doing well but you started to see the cracks start to form it was night early 1989 uh, what it was or actually Kind of really late 1988. We're now at Saturday night main event. This would be 14. It was December 1988, where you had Hogan. He was getting beat down by the Twin Towers, like we've talked a little bit about here, who at the time and who they were, it was the big boss man and Occam, Akeem. Um, and so after the two of the, or, so what you had is, Hogan getting beat down. Savage came out. He kind of cleared the ring. Um, he used a steel chair, kind of took everybody out. And so Elizabeth, though, of course, uh, the first woman of wrestling for a lot of us, uh, Elizabeth took Hogan to the backstage. It's actually, you know, Savage a little jealous at this fact. And so he thought, you know, he's really kind of, you know, not the, the prime star at this point. And this is when, so December 88 is when you start to see these form um and so he was angry that hogan you know using elizabeth as his manager as well too and so um confronted each other and so that's where you start to see this so um it was that royal rumble of that year where hogan he accidentally eliminated savage as he was trying to eliminate bad news brown was it and an accident though was it and it will never know like time will tell and so Dude, so so complete side note but there is and i've seen a few people like bring this up before 
Hulk Hogan's like arguably a heel. Like he dumps his best friend out of the ring. He, you know, he carries his wife back to the ring. He cheats a lot. Like, it's just so funny. Like the biggest baby face ever. He does some real heelish shit. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. And so, and that's always the shades of that. Yeah. You just never know. So, um, but you've got that, that was, you know, him getting tossed out at the Royal rumble, but then February 3rd, you had main event Hogan and Savage were, facing the twin towers once again it was a tag match that really like this is really what led to the end here so during uh you know part of the match savage was actually thrown over the ropes and onto miss elizabeth uh you know it's pretty you know of course she's knocked out at this point hogan carried her to the back he actually left savage in the ring to kind of fend for himself against the tag teams now you got a two-on-one type situation and while hogan eventually came back this is when Savage slapped him in the face, took the belt, and then turned heel and walked away from Hogan. So, um, just kind of a, you know, and that's all it took. And so, and that's how we got to uh, kind of this point. You had, um, you know, Savage attacking Hogan uh, backstage at this point. Um, and that is when then Hogan challenged Savage to the match at WrestleMania five for the world heavyweight championship, which Savage accepted. So, um, a very long build, I say you could kind of take it from the breakup if, or the start of the breakup if you really wanted to, but you can't really ignore that time where they were the mega powers because that's where, I mean, that's the story of mania and the tagline. So really over a year where these two, you know, were dominant and they built up the fact that they were together and had this great tag team. And then now though, like it leads to them savage slapping Hogan going heel again, if you will, and setting up this match of mania. So Tom, I know you said you had some additional notes or things you might want to share. So what else do you got? I'm not the number three in this group. I'm the number one brother. There's number two for you, fans. Oh, that backstage segment, uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it, and it's fresh in their mind. I know it is with me, where Savage completely turns and hits Hogan, and Liz is back there. And, dude, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest builds in the history of professional wrestling. And it's mm-hmm. so believable, partially because it was real. I mean – you thought these guys hated each other. It wasn't some overthought gimmick. It was just, look, you know, you got a woman, you got two guys. I mean, it wasn't hokey, and it's been done hokey so many times. Go back and watch this stuff. Go back and watch these promos. Go back and watch this storyline. Go back and watch all this stuff Jeff just talked about. If this happened on today's show, okay, in this era, you would go – this is absolutely incredible. So it not only holds up today, it's better than 99.9% of the stuff that you will see in professional wrestling. I don't even know what's better. But dude, the, these promos and the storyline and the way it was executed and build up for it, as long as it went on, was just absolutely incredible. A um, couple other things. You did a great job. Um, I, you know, I, I thought this was the best stuff that maybe either guy did in their career. That's how good it was. It's crazy. You're talking about Saturday night's main event. Jeff, 
keep in mind that these shows aired on Saturday night on NBC. And I believe they were the lead into Saturday Night Live. So that's, I mean, that's how big wrestling was and how big of a platform these things got. I mean, can you imagine five or 10 or 15 million people watching, you know, Brock McIntyre build uh, on NBC leading into it, like leading into Saturday Night Live, like, which at the time was a hell of a lot bigger than it is now. It's crazy. Well, and they did a lot of these. Like by my count, yeah. there was there was close to thirty of them. Like leading, you know, this late kind of nineteen eighties into nineteen early nineteen nineties. They brought them back for a little bit um, in late yeah. two thousand or you know two thousand aughts. But yeah, you're right. And if this was and kind of we kind of we can see where it eventually got was because you're right. It was the lead in for Saturday Night Live, and at the time, a name that a lot of us wrestling fans would know. This is the executive producer of Saturday Night Live was Dick Ebersol, and we know the joint venture that Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon went on to form many many years later. And so that was where the start of some of this partnership started happening, and they're kind of TV working together. So um, yeah, just oh, Ebersol produced. I mean, he was behind. He's right behind the camera for that Hogan Savage thing it's just right cr- it's exactly it's wild but and, and and you know nbc was a much bigger deal then than it is now because there weren't you know a thousand channels and streaming i mean it was a big deal to be on that platform there were only so many channels people had and some people didn't even have cable at that time um you know I, i've touched on it before but that wrestlemania four uh, a couple things with that savage wins the tournament i thought hogan was just way too involved in that show him and the andre thing was the biggest match going into it he interferes in the main event he's you know giving savage the title i, I understand they were trying to make savage a star it was just too much hogan and hogan's going to overshadow anyone he's in the ring with yeah. um, so i i just never liked that um and i also think savage and steamboat should have had a great rematch and they didn't on that show um disappointing there um mega powers and mega bucks which took place at SummerSlam, dude at the end of that match it ends with savage hitting an elbow drop three quarters of the way across the ring on the dibiase right after he hits the elbow drop hogan is already moving and hits the leg drop it was awesome go back and watch that it was just great and then after that match there was a little bit of a you know subtle build towards obviously where we are going with everything so really really great stuff um dude let's uh let's watch this match man we we've we've talked a lot about the build we know it was awesome um i have not seen this match in a long long time uh probably since i was a kid right in its entirety so the question is does the match hold up to the incredible build um, that we got in. So um, for those that want to watch along with us, we are at the three hour and 18 mark of WrestleMania five, the WWE WWE network. Again, that's the three hour, 18 minute mark Um, for those watching on streaming uh, or or elsewhere. It's right when the match starts. So um, Jeff, let's jump into it. With that being said, it's time for the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right, we're here. Three hours and 18 minutes in the WWE Network. Match about to start. What's going through your mind right now, Jeff? Just 
the the psychology right now like and then get writing like they get right into it like they don't waste time there isn't you know a whole lot of like kind of screwing around but you know hulk showing off his kind of power uh, you know they tie up real quick but then that classic kind of throwing him back you don't see it anymore um and so then they're really trying to figure each other out and so i think that's the uh you know i just enjoy seeing that Man, I love Savage's tights. I always, I always love his ring gear. But dude, just the the hot pink. It's a good shot contrast to what Hogan was wearing. I forget the the story on Savage's elbow. I know it was very injured, and there was like uh, some concern he wasn't gonna be able to work this match. It's heavily bandaged, as you see. Yeah, he's got a giant pad on it, and kind of it's all taped up, like really tight. Dude, um, again, Hogan just running around the ring, dude. Again, you've heard me say it on here, but a better in ring worker than you remember uh, when he wanted to be, right? Did you? I may have mentioned this recently. Did you see that YouTube clip I shared of Hogan wrestling in Japan? Yes. Yeah, I know oh you, you shared a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just incredible. But and we yeah. we got a lot of feedback on that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So yeah, I mean the guy the guy could go when he needed to, but you know, just a little slow start to the match, just you know, kind of feeling each other out. Savage just complete heel, right? When he wanted to be a heel, he was such a good heel. Um, obviously worked as a heel WrestleMania seven against Warrior in, in that great match as well. But you know, he's super athletic, but he kind of works as a coward um in everything he does. And that's one of the things about savage man you can't say that about every wrestler obviously you can't about both of these legends in there they were great baby faces and they were great heels yeah absolutely and so and then uh, for those of you kind of small little factoid here sitting ringside would be uh our kind of no matter how you feel about him our current president donald trump is uh sitting right there ringside playing up the uh, trump angle on some of this so um, wwe so, again, hall of fame classic heel that's right. Excuse me, Hall of Famer. So, in, so the classic heel move right now, Hogan kind of chasing Savage outside of the ring, and then Savage using Miss Elizabeth uh, as a shield to try and protect himself uh, so that Hogan wouldn't hit her. And so... Well, um, and you mentioned yeah. tr- you mentioned Trump ringside, man. That that's the problem with uh, WrestleMania four and five is you know as a casino, a lot of these tickets were comped, and so you'll notice there's a lot of people on TV in prominent seats that are wearing suits and ties. Again, nothing wrong with that, but the problem is is that as a crowd, this was half the fans from what I I've read were just like you know comped or weren't big fans, and so you'll notice the reactions aren't great especially ringside on tv um and it takes away a little bit from this match yeah absolutely but again like you said a little bit here kind of a a little bit of a slow start here there isn't a whole lot of like true and granted i wouldn't expect it to be like a submission kind of show um but the two of them really just kind of you know there's your first real slam of the match um he's just kind of working a little slow here to kind of get going even though it seemed like you know right out of the gate they were getting going but there's the missed elbow drop Hogan popped right up. So Hogan, like, so if you had to, I, I, I probably know this, but um, you know, you had to pick, like, and and I, a, any given day, you're always going to go with Hogan before anybody else. Who, like, who beats Hogan? And like, not just in the ring, but I'm talking like you for your personal. Like, who do you like more? Who who beats Hogan? Dude, I mean, my my top four are Hogan. Michaels, Savage. It's always tough. I know. Austin. 
I mean, I, dude, I, yeah, I, I just, to, to, to me, you know, as I've been going back and watching some of these old ones and we covered Steamboat Savage recently, dude, Savage is like on my Mount Rushmore, man. You know, Hogan, I love, um, Austin. I mean, you got to put him on there because of everything he did. Uh, you know, I, I love Michaels, you know, but it's just interesting. I, I just, I, 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 I keep saying this, but I just forgot how good Randy Savage was. Mm-hmm. Um, as an in-ring worker, dude, I think he's better than Flair. And I, I'm sure some people disagree. That's fine. He was such an athletic, great in-ring worker and wrestled so many different types of matches. He did so many different things. He didn't do the same 10 spots in every match. Um he also worked heel and baby. Great. He was fantastic on the mic. Dude, I, I said it the, uh, a few weeks ago, Jeff. As far as a, a wrestling superstar, Randy Savage, the macho man, he's bigger than The Rock. He's better than The Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that absolutely makes sense. And so, um, like you said, and the reason they kept, they were, there, there is a lot of guys in suits in the front row. It actually looks kind of odd. Um, but then they kept calling it Trump Plaza. And the reason being is because they were the, the big sponsor this year. And so, um, that's why it kind of kept referring it to it. And that's just the, the revisionist history of, of WWE and calling things what they want. Uh, kind of crazy move there. Hogan dumping Savage kind of outside of the ring. Um, Miss Elizabeth kind of unsure what to do there standing there and she added so much to this i mean liz was so good i I forgot to mention it in the build um there is it's the night the mega powers like really exploded right and that that huge thing happened behind the scenes the bump that liz took savage gets thrown out of the ring he gets thrown onto her her head hits off the cement it was crazy it was Mm -hmm. i mean i i don't know if she got hurt or not but man she took a spill and a half it was excellent and she she added so much to this and i so that that was probably one of my i say when i you know, my youngest or first wrestling memories was their wedding um it, when the two of them got married and uh, it, like when her saying oh yeah and accepting the uh proposal which, elizabeth will you marry me and the crowd going ape shit after the, the very soft oh yeah from her like yeah this oh is, yeah yeah oh careful there um and so uh but yeah it's just really good stuff here so first pinfall attempt here macho trying to cover hogan um just good stuff and we've got blood here we go get the gloves on we've got some blood um and kind of tied up and and things like that and them going at this so um, I, yeah, I think you raised the, the kind of interesting point of the, uh, the kind of Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Cause I've seen this floating around on Twitter. A it's lot everywhere. Lately. It's yeah. yeah it, it, more and more. And especially whether it's mania season, like, so a uh, great kind of chokehold now Hogan standing up and then macho taking him right back to the mat. Yeah. Um, Dude, this, yeah. this venue, this venue just wasn't WrestleMania worthy. I mean, we're coming off the silver dome and then we have this venue two years in a row. I don't remember but I think it was very comparable in terms of just a weak crowd the year before too. Yeah. And then they were six was in Toronto. So it was a kind of a different, yeah, exactly. 
and especially too when you've got like just say for the sake of like, you know eighteen thousand for the sake of the conversation here, but then you get like close to like you know WWE numbers almost seventy thousand in Toronto, like it makes a big difference. And then if you know we're back down to a small venue again at, for for seven, which was in LA, and so um, you kind of have that. And so just kind of the back and forth of that, I think you really need. Um, like it just doesn't, I guess too, especially compared to what we know now, like, like even just looking at ringside, like people are like crammed, not, not ringside, but like on the padding around the ring, people are just crammed in there. Like cameraman, like there's no room to work. The one thing I did kind of dig about this was they walked down those steps for the entrances. I, I, I liked it. It felt like it was more like a big fight boxing um, feel to it than uh-huh. than like staged wrestling. Like, I mean, I know obviously the grand entrances and the pyro and all that stuff we love, but I felt like these guys were like in a fight and it was kind of cool watching them come down that way. Um, the other thing was Savage as champion came out first. Do you believe the champion should always come on, come out last for championship matches? Yeah, for sure. And he should be announced that way. That's part of, part of the deal. Absolutely. I totally agree. I like, I like the champ coming out second. I like both guys in the center of the ring, holding up the belt, doing the announcements buffer style. You know, I, I like all that stuff, that big well, fight I, feel. And you and I have talked about this over multiple episodes at this point. Like sometimes it needs that sports feel. Like it's sometimes it's lacking that. And so that's what, you know, you want that to, for it to feel like if it's a, like it's a WrestleMania, I, it should have big entrances. It should have all these different things. Now, granted, I don't want to watch 10 hours of wrestling on a Sunday night, which, you know, broke it up this year. But I think that's one of those things where if you can present a product well, and I get like, you know, people want to be on the card. They fight to be on the card. And, you know, there's sometimes there's a reason to put them on the card. But then other times, like, you know, something like this, yeah, it, you got to do the right, you know, and that's Vince is going to Vince as we, you know, seen a lot lately with everything happening and, you know, not can't, you know, he, he beat coronavirus, you know, so he didn't cancel it, canceled wrestling. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where I think that, um, yeah, how you present it makes such a big difference. And it's been presented the same way for so long, like, you know, but it's one of those where we can armchair this all day long, but then, you know, that's the whole point of the payoff, dude. (laughs) Right. That's no point. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's what we're we're here doing for everybody. But, you know, and and I do agree a little bit though. We asked for, we, we complain, 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 ask for something different. They give us something different than we still complain, which I got welcome to wrestling. You know, you, you mentioned kind of the production realism of things. I I have two, uh, Oh, Savage is getting dumped to the outside of the ring. Um, Gene Okerlund, and I noticed this on some of the the build stuff that we were watching. God, he was just so good. I mean, you watch now, and whoever they have backstage, it's usually you know they they all just look like they're acting. They look like they're like overreacting. It's so fake. It's so like oh, it's just terrible. I mean, Gene was just you know he was so serious about it, and it like felt like a sport and he led him the right way. And he was, you know, so genuine. I feel like now, like you watch him, watch, watch the next time you watch raw or SmackDown, dude, it's just like, they're all like, like reacting to things. It's so stupid. Like, Oh my gosh, you know? And then sometimes they like laugh and it's just so campy and scripted and it's terrible. Well, and that's part, like, I think you hit it on the nail there. Like it's just scripted. 
Like, and so like that, it's just too scripted. And, and these think, people aren't good actors. No. And you're hearing more and more, like, especially like, you know, uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose saying like, now that he's gone over to AEW, like he does have Liz blocking the boom. Hogan gets tossed into the uh, railing there. Or the post that um, good. We hear we hear the behind the scenes of like they're able to do a little bit more and, and it's not as scripted as you know everything. And I, yeah. there was there was some dirt sheet stuff there for a while saying that there was a little less scripted, you know, recently, but still at the same time. So um Macho yelling at Miss Elizabeth right now because she's trying to help hook or trying to help Hogan on the outside. She's looking gorgeous. I would protect her right here. I'd run out and save her. Um, and so, um, hey, so we have we have Jesse Ventura on commentary. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. You seem to like the guy more than I do. I just think Corey Graves watched a lot of Jesse Ventura on commentary and a lot of Bobby Heenan on commentary, and he tries to emulate them, and he does a really poor job of it. I'll get to that. We just had Miss Elizabeth getting tossed to the back though, because of her, <laughs> because of her involvement, which was not very much, but um, her getting thrown to the back there. Yeah. I like, we've talked about it at length, how, you know, Bobby Heenan is the ultimate kind of heel wrestler. And we've said kind of graves a lot of times. It feels like he's like, I get it. Like the savage to the top rope bombs away, double axe double handle. Yep. Boom. Love it. Love when he did, especially when he hit him on the guardrail. Hogan selling the so neck. Was, yeah, so on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you didn't see a lot of that back in the day, man. Nobody jumped no, off the top know. rope, let alone to the outside. And this is just, yeah, I think that while he, you know, he has like kind of his personality that he tries to sell, uh, Savage working over the neck now, kind of uh, ringing him over the ropes as he kind of jumped over. Um, yeah, I think it is. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, it's just it's just like he like tries to be a heel, but then he tries to be a baby face on his podcast and he just says stupid things to like provoke people. It's just it's just it's just goofy childish stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I just I, I just think that again, I think he's trying to be Heenan and Ventura, like, oh, I'm gonna be the heel announcer, and it's just not good. It's like yeah. You're not heel. Like, you know, if you're going to be a heel announcer, then be a heel announcer. Be like, you know, uh, Jerry Lawler was when in 93 when he first came in. Or don't do it. So, then I don't think the three-man booth helps either. But that's a, that's a different conversation. So, uh, Macho just going for a little bit of a splash there. Just kind of a standing splash onto Hogan. Hogan, uh, you don't see this much anymore. Hogan's still selling the his neck being injured. Yep, and then Macho after the distracted ref using part of the bandage off of his elbow pad to choke Hogan. Um, it's good ref not seeing it, so that's always his. Look at it; they're just hiding that little piece of tape. Look, you don't see that much anymore. Like that, that I'm telling that you, looks, he was a really good heel. And, look at, and, then, and then the ref just checked him real quick just to see what was happening there, but he had tossed it already. So you didn't see it. And so that's one of those where, you know, it's such a big spot where the heels get caught or something like that. You know, and it's not Eddie Guerrero, you know, tossing the belt to kind of protect himself. But that, that was just an interesting little move there. It was a good heel move that someone should steal. Someone so should steal. He, here's something that I have never seen discussed before. Is Randy Savage the only world champion in history to win the title as a babyface and turn heel while he's the world champion? 
I'm sure not. I'm sure there's somebody we'd have to, it's a long list. We'd have to spend a lot of time kind of reading through it to see who, uh, you know, who may or may not. It's a good um, question though, right? So you got I Macho, couldn't think of anyone. Top, Here you top go. rope on the corner with the elbow drop, hits it. That was about, he does get the distance on that. I told that was, you. That was, that was too And always hits it square. But Hogan jumps out or kicks out at one and a half. You know, you know, you know, that finish probably had never been kicked out of, at least with a referee, not knocked out. At at least. Remember, no one was kicking out finishes back then ever. Yep. Everybody had a protected finisher, but that's how I think that's how it should be. Absolutely. That you need to, uh, finishers should be more protected and they should actually be, um, if you remember, like, cause even Kevin Owens, he's doing the stunner now. Kevin Owens came over. He did, he had a pop-up power bomb that nobody else was doing. And like for whatever reason he stopped doing it and now like he's just the stunner which i get it but come on like let him do his there's the big boot to macho hogan real quick leg drop here we go quick spin one two three let's celebrate crowd kind of got into it at the end yeah, they're cheering now. They're gonna, you know, get but not ready. going as cr- yeah. I mean, you can see, but yeah, I mean, they're they're going, but it was pretty quiet up until then. I got one more observation for you before we go into the aftermath. Go for it. So there weren't a lot of world title matches during this era. Remember SummerSlam, you know, you had the year where it was, um, you know, Hogan and Warrior were on the same team. The year where Hogan and Savage were on the same team. There weren't a lot of like world title matches during this era in those. Survivor Series almost never had a world title match early on. Rumble, these guys were both in the Rumble when Savage was champion. So, like, it's just crazy. Like, the Royal Rumble, you know, a a big expensive pay-per-view. You're only doing four a year, and there was no world title match. Yeah, I think that it started, really, this was the year where you started to see it getting shot back and forth a little bit, but kind of looking though, like WrestleMania was some of the only time that the belt did change hands. So I think, which is interesting because you had just some people that, you know, there was some other, I see like some survivors, there's some survivors, there's some rumbles in here and things like that. But for the most part though, like, yeah, it was really only mania where the belt started changing hands yeah because i mean Um, they put the world champ but they put the world champion in the royal rumble match or in a survivor series match or in a tag match at SummerSlam. they did that a number of years mm -hmm. yeah and it was really it looks like starting in about the uh like hogan and beefcake were a tag team i think against uh andre so if you're kind of doing some quick math here so uh Warrior had it in 1990 and there was maybe 35 champs in between like 1990 to 2000, which it's not really a lot when you think about it. Three and a half a year. Right. And so like, it's not crazy, especially like nowadays when you think like, God, I would kill for that nowadays with freaking Brock out there. Like, I don't, you know, he's got the belt back. Here we go again. So yeah. Well, well, You know, you know how I feel about the winged eagle belt. Yes, I do. Especially, they, uh, yeah. I sent you a picture of me wearing mine today, so mm-hmm. that that'll tell you, um, dude. He did he's not lying? So yeah. I, 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 dude, I love that belt. But I guess they wanted to sell more belts, so I don't know. President <laughs> of the United States watching on, just surreal to think about, um, dude. So, uh, you know, 
the match was what it was. We'll get back into it. Um, Hogan Warrior, Hogan Savage, back-to-back years like this. I love those covers. I love the, you know, iconic WrestleMania main events just just being larger than life during this era. So um, with that, let's get to the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. All right, Jeff. Initial thoughts. Just, you know, not superior wrestling but it was a great match though still um you know the two of them in the story i think the build uh outshined the match itself here but it was still pretty good the match does not equal the build um and i don't just mean not being a great wrestling match you know and i and i know this didn't happen in this era but it's like this is a match that needed more Okay, it needed that stipulation. It needed that steel cage. Um, not that they did last man standing or you know no DQ matches really at all in this era. But if there was ever a time to do it, these two just fighting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, going on the outside, just beating the tar out of each other. Um, both men could have bled or there could have been more blood um, using weapon. I mean, they just needed more. I mean, this was like the most, in, this is one of the most intense builds in the history of professional wrestling, right? So you gotta, you gotta pair that with a match that equals it. And it just didn't. So um, just, just my thought there, uh, we'll get more into it. I, I'm really curious how this match was received. So walk us through storyline wise, what happens following this between these two. And then I'm really curious to get to the write-ups because you organized them and I, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, we got some interesting stuff here. So I'll start with, so the feud did continue for these two, but we do have to talk about the 1989 uh, classic film, No Holds Barred, which starred uh, Hulk Hogan um, and Tom Lister Jr., which you'd rec- you would recognize. <laughs> as, as, he's one of those you'd recommend him if you saw him. And so- No, wasn't it Tony Lister? Or Tom, that's what I have. Yeah, I forget. I but thought it was way. Tony. Okay, so so you have Hogan is Rip. You have Zeus, um, and of course, like this storyline eventually, or them being in an actual movie. Uh, this was, of course, before the Marine, long before the Marine. All six of them, uh, which we're due for another one any day now. But anyways, um, that the two of You're them, right, Tom Tiny Lister. So we were both right. All right, so we we were close. Or I okay. was saying Tony, not Tyne. <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely not a tiny guy. That's for sure. But anyway, so um, what we happened was uh, Zeus just weird here because terrible wanting to take advantage of Hogan in real life after the movie, and it was a whole really really weird thing. Um, and so he was billed in the WWF as Zeus and the two of them, him and Savage formed an alliance. Um, you actually had after this with Hogan uh, joining with Brutus, the barber beefcake. There was, it was actually a tag team main event SummerSlam of that year. Oh, that's right. That's when he tagged with Brutus. When okay. Hogan and Brutus beat Zeus and Savage. And so uh, they continued though, like they had a steel cage match, which eventually, that was the end of that storyline thank god um but the two of them would of course you know uh it was actually a rematch it was actually main event 
um, were the two of them. But, you know, Hogan won that one too. It was just, it was weird, like how this all played out after the fact. That's, I mean, the partnership and I get it. At the time, it was what was happening. It was the hot thing. It was WWF trying to sell their movie. I get it. You know, I still do appreciate the Miz plugging all of the Marine movies. I wish Cena should do it more often, you know. Um, but it's one of those where, you know, Hogan had that. Hogan obviously did, did just fine. Uh, after all this, of course, though, uh, Savage actually took a new manager after Miss, uh, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, it was the one and only sensational Sherry. Um, and she came in, kind of interrupted um, uh, an interview, playing the heel, uh, where Hogan ended up getting hit with a chair shot. It was just a, it was a whole thing, that how, how, kind of how it played out. She was actually his manager for a very long time, uh, a couple of years, actually. And so... Um, and kind of doing that. So the two of them obviously did just fine. Um, but, you know, kind of some really oddball storylines after the, like such a great build that we had um, yeah. getting to this point, though. Yeah, so. I mean, it was it was just a bad stretch for Savage. Um, you know, WrestleMania 6, that it was Savage and Sherry against Dusty and uh, Sapphire. Liz is involved. I mean, it just, it sucked. Uh, it was just, they, they really just did not use Savage well. There was probably about an 18-month stretch. Um, and then before you know it, WrestleMania 70 is in that retirement match. WrestleMania 80, he's in the world title match. So, you know, it was just, it was just a bad little stretch for him. And, I, and I, he was not used well at all. You're exactly yeah. right. Um, so yeah, that's that's it, man. Uh, not a not a great aftermath, uh, if you will. Um, the Zeus no. thing just just fell flat. Obviously, um, yeah. uh, it was also fun to think Buster Douglas was involved. Why was he involved? Because he knocked out Mike Tyson. <laughs> it was supposed yeah. to be Tyson in that role. So um, Tyson got his day eventually, but that's all right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Ty- Tyson got his wrestling spot. So, so the write-up. Yeah. What do you? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. very, so, I'm very curious about this. So I'll start with. Let me give them both to you, and then you can you can rant all you want here. So, uh, I, the I'll turn the mic over. So the Observer gave this one a 2.75 stars. Um, it was actually the highest rated match on the card. We talked yeah, it a little shows bit you how about bad it sucked. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this one, but, um, you know, that was, you know, kind of where we talked about that. So, um, and then interesting here, I had to really dig, um, but the uh, PW Torch did have a write-up here. I'm going to kind of read just parts of it here. And so uh, the 13th and final match of the event saw Hulk Hogan pin Macho Man Randy Savage in a replay of any average Hulk Hogan title match. Elizabeth didn't get into play too much and was sent to the sent back to the dressing room by Savage during the match. That's the last we heard of her, which interesting, especially after she had been a part of this for, you know, as much of this. So, um, and kind of, you know, kind of skipping forward to the, uh, uh, here we go. In one night, they killed their top heel, gave their top baby face an unneeded belt, and gave us a mega power cap gun shot, not an explosion. I was really looking forward to a solid 25-minute match where both men worked hard and had the best match they could put together. I looked forward to an angle that would draw for rematches, mainly having Savage retain the title fans would go see fans would go see hulk's second chance to regain his belt both men worked harder in the pre-match interviews than this match i hope i hope they know what they're doing because savage was simply buried and buried big time where do they go from here 
despite it being terrible and possibly worse than last year's WrestleMania four, I enjoyed the card just because I enjoy seeing things unfold. But once it was over, I realized how truly bad this entire show was three stars for the match. So three stars, two and three quarter stars, Tom, I will turn it over to you for your thoughts and your score. Go. There's not one thing that you just read off that I disagree with. Okay. I mean, dude, I, all of it, right. The build for this was incredible. Okay. We've talked about that. The storyline, the interviews, the way they built it up, the time it took, everything made perfect sense. It was incredible. The crowd and the venue, bad, okay? The match, it just wasn't a good match. These guys can both work. I mean, there's been great matches that they've both had. For whatever reason, and and I don't know, know, for as much as Savage obsessed over the way he planned matches, this just needed, I mean, it needed to be a better wrestling match, but it needed more intensity. And I don't know, if you do a ref bump and you go outside, if you, you know, uh, involve some weapons or something, if you have more blood, I mean, it just needed to be more intense. If you're going to have the most intense build ever, then you need to have a match that equals that. It didn't. So 2.75 and three on the match. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. That's, that's probably accurate in terms of the actual match. Um, killing Savage as a heel, you absolutely did. You, I mean, Hogan kicked out of his finisher. Hogan dominated the match. Hogan easily won once he kicked out of that finish. There was no heat left on Savage. What else was he going to do? And then they did the stupid thing with Zeus, and then he's in a mid-card bluff feud a year later. So I don't don't understand how – I mean, they should have had – even if Savage lost, he should have come out way stronger and said, look, you know, you cheated Hogan, you know, whatever, and he had nothing – left um maybe savage should have retained but at the very least he shouldn't have lost the way he lost because you just killed him and again did hogan need the title no was it fine he got it yeah send them home happy um and then the aftermath everything that really happened between these two after completely sucked and they really kept them apart after that again they were nowhere near each other at six or seven at eight you did you know you had them all them both involved in the world title but then you did hogan sid and you did savage flair so you kept them apart again so really no interaction between these two of course i don't know what was going on behind the scenes with them but obviously it's it's rumored there's some significant heat at this time so anyways i say all that to say that um i'll give my payoff score dude it sucks because there's so much I loved leading up to this and then it just kind of fell flat. Um, it wasn't what it needed to be. I'll give it a seven and a half overall. And it pains me to say that because I was really excited about this. The match just really wasn't good. And the Liz stuff, she just left and that was it. Hogan wins clean and kicks out of the finish and there's no heat left i mean there was no angle after the match or anything to keep something on savage and just disappointing and and i don't know jeff i'm curious what you think am i being too kind or what no i because i'm gonna be harder and i'm gonna give it a six um i think that the build was (laughs) the build overshot the match and i think like we've talked a lot about some of these old matches like you and i going back and watching them they're not great wrestling. <laughs> and I think a lot of, so much of the story is told 
outside of the ring back in this day, like, like the promos. Like you remember, a lot of times I remember more of like Hogan's promos and Macho's promos and Jake the Snake holding the snake and, you know, Sid Vicious. And like, I remember those things more than the in-ring product for whatever it's worth, good or bad. So I think that like the them having this match was just not, in a lot of ways they just didn't really have a great match plain and simple and so i think that like you know a year-long build and that's what you get like looking back on it and us having the the 2020 hindsight it's like boy that wasn't really like kind of a whimper i mean it was barely a 15 minute match um yeah and, and, so, and, and, yeah. and again it just didn't match the the intensity it's, it's okay that they didn't have a great match but if they had an intense brawl or if they had you know some crazy you know intensity to it or there was some violence or something right it just it just was like a tv match even the little bit of blood i get like you know that's verboten nowadays but um you know, it's one of those where there was very little of that. Like, you know, I don't know what they were going for with that and kind of what was happening, but, um, and the blade job on that, it just, but you know, it just, yeah, just something didn't, they didn't stick the landing, I guess is the best way to say it. So completely agreed. Um, so interesting. So, uh, Tom, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Dude, nothing. I, 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 I'm just underwhelmed. I'm disappointed, man. I, I had better expectations for it. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm in the same boat as you that like, and you and I had not, sometimes we catch the match before whereas we're kind of prepping and other times we don't fully watch the match. This is when we didn't. And like I said, I think it was a, I caught parts of it, but sitting here watching the whole thing, it was, yeah, it's just kind of a letdown. So um, what are you going to do? They're not all, you know, they're not all five-star Meltzer classics. So that's okay. But not sports entertained. I don't say that very often, but I was not sports entertained, unfortunately. So there you go. All right. Yeah. So with that, you know, as always, we appreciate everybody, you know, listening to us. We're going to, we will be back next week. Um, You know, definitely go back, you know, now that everybody has a whole lot of time on their hands, everybody just kind of being at home, uh, definitely check out our old episodes. Um, You know, like I said, we are on social media. We are always posting on there, kind of throwing stuff out there. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Payoff Bio. We may not be able to send you those koozies right now, but some of you, you know, uh, we've been getting them. We look forward to kind of and then that stuff out, kind of sharing that stuff. So, um, Tom, uh, what do you got for us? You want to snap into a finish here? What are you thinking? Oh, yeah. Thank you as always for thinking, 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 and joining us on the payoff. <laughs>